I guess we're going to be focusing on the cup here on the Owls of Aircast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. Uh, for reasons we will get into in the show that you're probably all very much aware of. But I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and this week I am drinking Maple Girl, one of my locals, Brewery Legitimus in New Hartford, Connecticut, has done a special limited release, and this is a barrel-aged Belgian-style triple brewed with local maple sap. It is finished, this version of it, I got a couple of them, is finished in vanilla extract cinnamon whiskey barrels. It's bottle 400 to 600. Um, it's a 12.5. There's a lot going on. It's well balanced. There's just a lot going on, much like this podcast. Also, much like this podcast, it's very alcohol soaked. Joining me for this episode in New Jersey, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Evening, Jeffrey. How are you doing? Um, I've got old fashioned. Uh, mm. I got my uh, alcohol delivered this week, and half of it's gone already. Uh, bourbon rye whiskey. Uh, sorry, uh, bullet rye whiskey uh, with simple syrup and Angosto beers. So it's, 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 an, it's an old-fashioned, definitionally. Lovely cocktail. Also on the line, in New England. Also in New England. So New England, Al, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Nice to nice to talk to you. I am uh, sipping some uh, Montalobos Mezcal and chasing it with some uh, fancy hipster, too expensive ginger ale. <laughs> Wait, so you're not mixing them together? You've got like a double fisting. Yeah, I really like my tequila straight. Oof, hardcore. Yeah. I just, I don't know. It's, a good, it's I will the way do it goes the, down. Uh, I'll do the, if I'm doing mezcal, I'll do the chili salt lime chaser. Mm. Yeah, it's more heat than I need right mm. now. A little ginger ale, we'll, we'll let it roll. When you say chili salt lime chaser, you mean you do the actual kind of lick the salt? Lime. No, no, no. So you take just a lime, and then you throw the shot over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. You see, take, in the, you desk at your home. You just pour it a little, like, you know, your your chili, preferable chili of choice. You know, if you can get like a smoked chili powder or something like that, that would be good to match it. But I just have like regular old. I think it's a regular chili powder in the house right now. Mix it with. Wait, what's the other flavor? Is lime. No, so you just take a lime wedge and you make a little pile of coarse sea salt and chili flake. You dip the lime wedge in it. And you just bite it after as you drink the. Oh, it's like you are doing. You are doing hips to fucking tequila slammers. It, I mean, I'm not it. slamming it. You sip it. <laughs> Brilliant! I'd love to do that. Carry on. Uh, in episode 122, we will review the Exeter FA Cup game. We'll cover some transfer news, some COVID news. And since we don't have a Coventry preview this week, it's about the midpoint of the season, roughly, assuming they finish the season. So we'll do a first half review. Maybe it'll end up being a season review. Who knows? We'll explore together in this episode of the Owls AmeriCast. We'll start with the Exeter review Wednesday with a, I won't say comprehensive, but I will say comfortable 2-0 victory. Patty, your talking point is uh, we have to apologize to Liam Shaw. Yes. Well, don't say we. You have to apologize to Liam Shaw. Look, I just uh, clearly he took some inspiration from our commentary last week. Touched, he wanted to earn. To he wanted to earn his man of the match award, yeah. fair and square. He wanted to earn the Owls Americast man of the match, the last trophy, not in his case. And he went and did that, Patty. 
clearly, I mean, it's a long journey from Sheffield to Exeter. So he must listen to a few podcasts. <laughs> must been, my words must have been ringing in his ears. <laughs> There's a guy in New Jersey that said I didn't deserve my man of the match performance. Uh, so he goes to Exeter with this um, this re- absolute uh, renewed kind of like passion. Uh, thank God he was fit because of all of the COVID uh, issues we had. Only half the squad travelled. Um, not even half a bench travelled uh, as far as the management thing. So, uh, yes, last week I said that uh, Shaw, Shoei did not have... Uh, a man of the match performance and I think Lee's deserved it more uh, he gave a few passes away he was a little bit sloppy but he was overall decent um, but let's, let's move to the Exeter game where he put in one of the best performances I've seen from a youngster uh, in in years I, I genuinely think he was uh, solid as a rock um, and it was really nice uh, to see so, yes, he's had a fantastic few weeks, right? He's won man of the matches. He's uh, done amazing assists. He's scored, scored a goal. goal. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a month for Liam Shaw. And I'm happy to uh, to round it off with my level of appreciation. So when he's listening to this now, Liam, so uh, apologies for the last week's uh, <laughs> the critiques. Um, but, yeah, what what a player. What a, what a great game that he had. Uh, it was like a calm kind of uh, collected uh, young Tom Lees back there marshalling that defence in the absence of our ex-leader. Um, so for me, great. We had questions about his defensive uh, capabilities last week. Um, uh, we made some comments about maybe he's still kind of more of a midfielder. Um, but I, I feel like that's just the way he plays. He plays... Uh, I mean, that, that run to set up the second goal was definitely a midfielder's run. <laughs> Yeah, that was like a Majid Bouguera type run. Remember him when we had him <laughs> bursting out of the defense? Uh, yeah, turns on to, turns two extra players round uh, from like spinning around and around. Cuts it back to uh, Patterson and uh, Patterson does well to keep onside um, despite it being like two yards in front of all the extra defense. Who just I don't know like what like what Exeter's what they were marking against Patterson there exactly. <laughs> I think at that point, they just go, oh, fuck it. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. really well. Let's go. <laughs> Patterson had a guy on him, and then he just threw on the brakes. Yeah, he just yeah. threw on the brakes at the six-yard box. The guy kept going. So Maybe he was trying to worked. run the offside trap there, or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Right. If you see Patterson, Patterson run up to East, he just check, because he's almost like a second from going offside. Yeah. He just stops his run a little bit, and he's, then he's back in, in on offside position. So he did a little bit of uh, work to get a goal pass, but not a great deal. And uh, what I loved about that whole goal situation is that Shaw celebrates like he won it, <laughs> like he scored it. <laughs> he just says, he just sits, like, if it was a kind of like uh, people in the crowd, he'd be like going the thumbs up at the back of his shirt, Shaw thing, but he just stood there like an absolute goal and went, yes, that was me. I mean, if I made Patterson... that run, I would be far less restrained <laughs> yes. than he was. So. <laughs> And then Patterson just kind of runs up behind him and goes, by the way, I scored, not you. <laughs> uh, that so, was such a nice moment. Yeah. Patty, to lead off of that, though, your, your call, Liam Shaw, uh, how about that whole back line? We, we played a back three that was all born this century. And while Exeter is a League Two squad, as we discussed last week, they score goals for fun. And their front two are pretty prolific, including, uh, I can't remember his name at this point, Bamford or something along those lines. Rashford. He was big, strong, veteran, 
number nine. And that back line after the first 10 minutes where they looked pretty shaky and we could have been down, they shut that team down. So that was on the whole, that was, that was sort of my takeaway from that game to put, to put that back line out with three kids, 20 and under, and they didn't look out of place once they were comfortable. Uh, that's, that's nice to see. I thought Brennan did fantastic. I, I think he made some really good stops. Uh, it was that kind of like no nonsense. Um, it, they had a few scares at the beginning. I think Exeter did, uh, put, put, it started really well, really well Exeter, like the first 15, 20 minutes, they were a little bit um, busy. Um, but uh, some poor finishing from their side kind of like stopped us really kind of going behind. But I thought Galvin on his debut, there was a shout out to I think he had a fantastic game. Uh, Brennan, uh, again, with Shaw, they've obviously played together in the, in the youth team as well. So they didn't look like uh, a youth setup back there. They looked very composed. Um, and Odebayo had a good game too. Yeah, I think it's easy to sort of look at a fairly comfortable 2-0 victory over a League 2 team and just be like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, like yeah, he had a good performance, but he should be bossing this level. But I, I do think, like, overall, especially going forward, it was kind of just, an, like, anemic. Like, they created opportunities. They were able to find space. Exeter was fairly well organized. But in those kind of games, you really need someone to kind of take it by the scruff of the neck and i feel like shaw was able to sort of do that working out from the back and keep everything tidy and defensively and like they would have won uh one nil anyway you know their their goal was one of those little you know sneaking behind reachy specials i didn't even realize like the seventh replay that he headed it into his path to whack it in i thought he just let it bounce no that was a great that was a great finish by reach but you like yeah like we just win the game. Like we saw plenty of upsets this weekend, as you see in in round three of the FA Cup. It was a long trip. They did not have a full bench. Um, they did not have a full squad. I'm sure it was a stressful week for them. On a number, they didn't have any coaches. They had a huge <laughs> coach, yeah. Um, and it was just, it was just a business like round three FA Cup win against the lower league side. And we move on. I liked it. No, that was that was one of the biggest takeaways for me was the absolute professionalism of those players that went down there and, and did the business for us. Like I say, with 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 no with no like no manager, um, no like not too many senior figures, especially in the defense. Um, it it was one of it, I put in the notes. It, it made me proud, and that's a yeah. thing you don't see. I haven't said that much this season. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh, we just did it with no fuss. We just went down there. It's a long journey. It's a terrible uh, journey to get down to Exeter uh, with the whole COVID mess going on, with the whole managerial situation going on, and we just completely put one of our best performances in the season. I know it's the lower league position, but still. I mean, it wasn't a great game to watch or anything. I did find my attention drifting here and there, but that's fine. Like, something they can't argue. Our midfield was brutal. It was not great. You know, they just, you're not. Don't say, Joey, Joey, you want to talk about finding their level? Joey Pelopassi played pretty well. <laughs> he likes to run around a lot, and that was yeah. a, a good pitch works, to, get, yeah. to get his steps in. It was a proper lower league away ground, though, like right in the middle of just like a town park. Yeah. <laughs> Not as great uh, as, as did you Marine? Watch Marine? Yeah, Marine. Marine. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. I, I think a lot of the magic that I think came back this weekend, actually, so the, the kind of people seeing. People seeing like these uh, big teams at small small grounds, 
But Marine was by far the best, as you've got literally a guy hanging out of his window watching Gareth Bale and in his backyard. Mm-hmm. That was just absolutely brilliant. And uh, obviously, Be- better pitch than Hillsborough right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It wasn't watching. I was in was it was Barham Wood. I was watching at one point. They had a better uh, pitch than we did. That was uh, Millwall, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've always loved the FA Cup, and that's exactly why. Like, there's so much history of the game in England in every fucking town. And every town has a team and every town has a stadium and they're all a little different and the team's a little different and the fans are a little different and they represent so much. And to have that opportunity to be, you know, AC Marine and AFC Marine and play Spurs is. Yeah, it's, they were fighting any, for the any first 20 minutes stuff. too. Oh, the dude hit the crossbar, right? <laughs> yeah. I was, <laughs> I mean, that they were going to lose, but yeah. at the same time, that's, you know, I mean, man, that's you, you tell your grandkids, you know, whoever their coach was, who actually had some pretty cool post-game interview, but like, you think he's not telling his grandkids about that time he lined up next to Jose Mourinho? Yeah. Like, or, uh, yeah, that's. Did he invite Jose back for a glass of wine after the game? <laughs> that does violate COVID protocols. Good call though. You see the old birds with the uh, champagne in the backyard as well. Watching the game. <laughs> uh, is there anything more? I'll have to defer to Patty on this. Is there any more English? Anything more English than the post-game celebratory Adele sing-along that we saw this week? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. I mean, that was cool. Uh, which which team was that? Now that was uh, who beat Derby? Chorley. 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 Yeah. yeah. Out of all the teams, I wouldn't expect a northwestern kind of like working class team to have a, have someone like was it someone like someone like you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of celebratory song. I didn't actually hear the reason why they sung that, but it does go it does fit quite well into a kind of that could be adapted as a, as a chant, I reckon. Yeah, the, the lyrics behind it are really funny. So yeah, what be the good. So it's like the northwest town workman work working man man's anthem patty what are we going with that <laughs> it's apparently it's adele nowadays <laughs> 2021 it's adele we're, we're that old now that adele is like taking up the chance uh, to, uh, to, the, to the terraces all right so that is the exeter game when i'm on to the wednesday news and we'll start with the ever shifting manager i mean it's not ever shifting because wednesday still don't have a manager <laughs> and the manager keeps changing based on who is tested positive for COVID or is in the quarantine protocols. But the current odds makers favorite Patty is your I think your number one choice, Paul Cook. It is, yeah. He went odds on, didn't he, um uh, this week. So uh there's the the news since last week we recorded is that apparently he has had a conversation with DC. Um which obviously is positive. I'm assuming DC's had many conversations. Uh, but that's the one we know about. Um, I mean, he didn't have one with Pulis before they hired him, so... <laughs> he did, but we know by now it's, it was all bullshit. <laughs> oh, yes, I can fly a plane. What? I didn't ask him about that. Um, no, um, yes, he's had a conversation uh, with him already, and he's now on favorite, obviously, because of that. So I don't really know much else to say other than I, I really just hope we get it sorted sooner rather than later so um, he can bring some I mean, players. We have some time now, Patty. <laughs> Well, yeah, True. we have got an extra couple of day, a uh, couple of. Uh, it's not like days. he can hold training. <laughs> also, Patty, I thought your, uh, I thought your favorite was some pretty Frenchman. Oh uh, yeah, I'm well, on the Paul Cook bandwagon, but 
I do think it's, it's, think it's, it's a Cook. little odd that we can still get, like, I don't want to say he's a proven championship manager, but, like, a fairly well-regarded, like, championship-level manager in, in this situation. I guess there's only yeah. 20, 24 jobs or whatever, but... No, I think Paul Cook's been out of... Uh, for, the, for a young manager, he's been out of uh, a job long enough to be desperate by now, so I think yeah. he's ready for Wednesday. By the way, did you? I was checked at Odds Checker as the second favourites right now. Do you know who that is? <laughs> uh oh, you have a little Cheshire cat grin. So. <laughs> Go ahead. This, you know, like I was saying last week, every day we have a new favourite. Hmm. Well, um, Paul Cook is odds on favourite at four to five currently. Uh, the new second favourite is Roy Keane. <laughs> you know uh, what? <laughs> yeah. No, Jeff. No. <laughs> no. Look. <laughs> When Tony Pulis isn't hard enough, you bring in Roy Keane. <laughs> oh my God! He's come out of nowhere. As he just, oh, where'd that come from? It's a bizarre. It's a bizarre. That is, fear that of is God Roy to that locker room. Telling somebody's buddy who works in the media, and that's that. That's when did Roy Keane last manage? Oh, so Italy still Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. no, wasn't he with Sunderland? Uh, was it? It was Sunderland for a few years, I thought. Um, well, he was, he was always an assistant manager and not, never an actual manager from what I remember, but I got that wrong. He was always... Look it up, Patty. I'm Googling. Look it up and I'll talk about what a psycho he was. He was the Irish assistant manager. <laughs> That's right. Was, was the Irish football manager as well? I'm going to look at Wikipedia right now, guys. Fill me in. Both the, uh, oh, both yeah, the Keane brothers are nuts. Yeah. Sunderland, you're right. Ipswich. And he did Okay. At Sunderland, it wasn't great, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, two years at Sunderland, two years at Ipswich, assistant manager. Yeah, so after 2013, he's only been assistant managers, uh, Republic of Ireland, Villa, and Forest assistants. Um, and I don't think any of them did that well, particularly. Yeah, that, that guy's not coming to me. Ma- I mean, listen, Tayfan Chancery, you know, does not do things by the book, so maybe, but hey, that guy should not come manage our team. Who's, who's who's third favorite, Patty? <laughs> oh, so this is another um, uh, nice uh, entry from last week. So we did the whole stats rundown last week, didn't we? Um, but this is a new entry from last week too. Um, again, in the in the same kind of era as Roy Keane, Chris Coleman has entered the race. Oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, All the Sunderland. Uh, yeah. No thanks. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Where is Sunderland right now? It's uh, interesting that's... that these. It's interesting that these two have entered the race so late on, almost. So, so it's is weird. Is it late on? It feels a bit. What is are it? We, three are we years the last match? <laughs> <laughs> but these are at sixes now. So, I, by far and away, Paul Cook is. I think he said four to five. But I think it's five to two actually. Looking at the other betting sites, uh, the, these other ones: Keane, Coleman, six to one, uh, Paco Hemez. What? Yeah, we, we looked at him briefly, yeah. I think. Uh-huh. I know I saw uh, somebody online break him down, a worst case. So I've got good news for you guys. Joe Barton's dropped 16 to 1 now, so that's good after being the favorite last week. When do, we think yeah, I mean, gets, I, when do we think this gets done? Do we have a new manager for the Everton FA Cup game? I yes. hope so. Yeah, I think so. Yes. I would hope what is that, the 23rd? 23rd, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes we we're do. recording on the 13th. So we've got 10 days. I, I sincerely hope we get any manager before we record the next podcast. <laughs> Otherwise, I don't want to look at oddschecker.com anymore. No, it seems an exercise in futility. 
whoever comes Jeff, in. Jeff, this is where you do your disclaimer for what odds books are all about. Yeah, sure. I'm sure a lot of money came in on Paul Cook because Paul Cook told someone that he had a conversation with Stefan Chansiri, and the odds moved accordingly. But whoever does come in and manage Wednesday, they may have a slightly new-look squad, as there are some transfer rumors. Andre Green appears to be coming in on a free transfer. He's out of, either out of contract with Aston Villa, 22-year-old winger. has had some loan spells in this league. Uh, Patty, you're the, you got the, you're the only person that had an Aston Villa friend text them back. So give us the Andre Green report. I love the research we do on this podcast. Well, it happened like 40 minutes ago. Yeah. This was, this was a brand new rumor. So we immediately texted all our Aston Villa friends of which there are two. Um, <laughs> and mine responded before Jeffrey's. And my, my response was basically, he was a really promising youngster, always had a soft spot for him. And he's had a few decent loan spells, especially Charleston. So I, my question to him was, what is wrong with him? Because uh, I always assume that anyone that's linked with Wednesday, there's something wrong with them, uh, especially someone that's been out of a job for, what, six months now? I think, well, you know, three months, if you think of the uh, way that COVID has interrupted the season. So, yeah, he's, he's a free agent because his contract expired. So, uh, with someone with caps for England, youth caps for England, uh, being at Villa to just drop off the chart, it feels too good to be true. He's a pacey winger, like I said. Uh, he's had some good loan spells. He's had some average loan spells, as you get from a, a few people that from people that go to around different clubs. Uh, but it seems like a right player to make a take a risk on as a young kid. Um, and we need certainly pace and options on the wings right now, mm-hmm. like I've been saying for the last year. So it seems like a good option. It seems a... Good deal. My my first thought was uh, that I had to double check that he was not Andre Gray, the uh, forward for Watford. That took me a few minutes to confirm that. Uh, so the guy could play both wings. Um, he, I feel pretty certain, and I should have double checked this, make sure I'm not making this up, but that uh, when Villa was last in the championship, he did not get loaned out and he actually played for them, which is the only time I really remember seeing him. And I thought he was quality. That's exactly just a lot of speed on the wing, um, you know, and the ability to try to cut inside and make something happen with that speed. But yeah, Patty, uh, when we talked about it, that was my first thought, right? Like what's, what's wrong with him? Why, why is a 22 year old with skill and promise uh, coming to us right now. And it's certainly a position of where Wednesday need more depth. So getting in a former, you know, Premier League level prospect that, you know, may, might be a certainly probably is hungry for an opportunity for first team football, uh, given the break he's been on right now. Yeah. It's like a, you know, a fairly low risk move one way or the other. So you might get a nice little player out of it. In other low news, Chelsea is considering uh, recalling Izzy Brown, which makes sense because Wednesday is not, are not playing him for some reason. Um, this I, He showed a lot of promise early in the season, and I know he got hurt, and then Pulis, well, he was never going to really be a Tony Pulis player, and now uh, you know Neil Thompson wasn't particularly interested in selecting him because he was, I think, in a lot of ways just sort of playing the Pulis formation, if nothing else, which isn't a ideal fit for Izzy Brown. It's unfortunate because I thought he looked like he could be a catalyst for Wednesday's attack and 
uh, the team has not scored goals. So <laughs> it seems if it, it does feel a little bit like, look, these don't always work out. Um, you know, as you just said with Andre, with Andre Green, loan spells can be really hit or miss based on any number of factors. And this one didn't work out, but it's unfortunate because I thought it would, uh, it was a promising move at the time. I've been a big Izzy Brown fan um, for a few years. I think he was with Huddersfield when I first noticed him. And he was, it just, it's, it's that player that, you know, he, he's obviously not say Jack Grealish, right. But that sort of old number 10 or, you know, top of the midfield uh three uh, sitting behind the strikers who just controlling the play and setting the tempo. I mean, he assisted, we opened our season with Izzy Brown uh, controlling the game and setting up a goal four minutes into the season. Right. And, and sitting in front of Bannon and Luongo, he was outstanding for three games <laughs> until he got hurt. Um, you know, I, I was really bummed too because he's out of contract at the end of this year. And I thought the timing of it was, Hey, here's this kid who's a legitimate talent, you know, whether or not he's a premier league player, he's uh, he, he certainly is a player at this level. Uh, he comes to us, he has a good year, enjoys everything that is Wednesday and we get him on a good deal for the next few years. He's only 24, I think, yeah. you know, 25. So I, I thought everything worked out. If I'm Chelsea, but he, Yank him right back. You know, you're going to lose him at the end of the year anyway, but you might as well send him somewhere where he's going to be used. But I get I get Chelsea's point of view and I get your point of view, but there's a new manager coming in who might change the way we play. Uh, he might see something easy Brown that uh, he showed at the beginning of this season. I would love to keep him and get back in the team because we need someone like him. Uh, but 100%. It, will, it will take a formation change and that's, that's still possible, right? We're happy to well, the season. You saw the, the, way that, the way that Thompson played in his first couple of games, it was more, you know, ball on the floor, possession based in midfield. You would think like a whether it's uh you know, again a double pivot with Bannon and Luang and Bannon and Pelopesi, whatever, but something where you can have uh, you know, a midfield four and a diamond or a or a midfield five with a ten push a little further up, or like, you know, a four four one one, whatever. He seems like a perfect fit for that kind of play if you want to play it around, play it along the deck. We're not doing that though. That's, that's the problem. We're not, we're not really doing it, bro. And, and also, his cameos. I've said this before in the last few weeks as well. Before I went away for a month, uh, his cameos haven't been very good. Um, He's coming on in the last seven minutes, down one yeah. nil, or holding on to a draw, and not really in, particularly interested in moving forward. Like I don't know what you want him to do. He's ending up in an isolated position. Along with the, whoever the forward is at the time. No, but he, I mean, especially the first few games he came back from injury, he was giving the ball away a lot. Um, uh, I would love to see him start, see what he can do for 60, 70 minutes if he was no good, yank him off. But uh, I don't know. I think it's too early to let him go. I, I, I think is Chelsea are going to look at his stats over the last few months and see him not playing and just pull him back. That's fine. Right. You have to actually like promise that. He's going to plank. I just mean, it's got to be negotiated. Like, we'll play him going forward, but you can't do that until you know who the manager is. Right, yeah. So who they're going to talk to? They're going to ring up Hillsborough and go, hello, can I speak to the boss, please? And we're going to watch <laughs> and see who's on holiday. <laughs> we haven't got anyone running the fucking mm-hmm. mental asylum right now. Uh, so I, I would wait at least until a manager's appointed so he can chat to the manager to understand whether there's going to be any plans or not. Uh, surely you've got 
we've got him on a, a year's loan, right? So sure, we've got the option to wait until the manager's in place so that they can speak to that manager and say, is he in your plans? Yes or no? If no, send him back. Um, well, isn't the ball in Chelsea's court? Yeah, like, that, yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. Like, I definitely, I'm a huge Izzy Brown fan. I think he's our best offensive player. You want to keep him for the year. Uh, but it's my has the ability to call him back. And I, I think that a lot of this comes out of the fact that it seems they're calling a bunch of other loanies back. So people are kind of assuming that he'll be one of them because, again, we're not, you know, we're not using Izzy Brown the best way that he can be used. I mean, also, to be fair, and we'll transition to our next topic, uh, it's not entirely clear that we can keep him from contracting COVID, which a Premier League team might be able to do better. <laughs> I, wouldn't go, uh, I wouldn't go that's too high, though, really. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Wednesday's next two fixtures, uh, was it Coventry and Wickham, have been postponed because they cannot uh, field a squad for this weekend, essentially. They were down to four bench players for the trip to Exeter. I assume either... Players have further tested positive or gone into the protocols. They've been exposed. People have tested positive. And uh, yeah, uh, this is not the Wednesday are not the first team this has happened to in the championship. They will not be the last team this happens to. It's going to end up congesting the fixture schedule even more than it already is, which it's significantly congested because of the late start and the need to finish between Euro before Euro 2020 slash 2021. Um Slash twenty twenty two at this point. <laughs> Who knows? Um, yeah, I don't like have anything particularly interesting or novel to say here about this. This is entirely inevitable, right? Another uh, thing. It's like it, 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 sports should inevitable. sports should not be happening, but they are going to. They have been happening, and they will continue to happen. Yeah, and it was only a matter of time before our club got it. Several clubs have had it previously. Um, but you know who I blame? Wayne Rooney. <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> We've come full circle from episode one of the Owls of Aircast. I'm glad you like a callback. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> it was our bench that got it right after the, after the derby game, mm-hmm. and Rooney's wandering around the the sidelines, spitting and gulping everywhere like he, he, he'd use a good. So I'm totally blaming Wayne Rooney for that for our infection. Are you suggesting that Rooney might be? Uh... Diseased and violent. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's all that like granny shagging, Jeff. I told you in the first episode of Al's Americast. <clears throat> Probably caught it from a COVID granny. <laughs> I would just like to say the views of Patrick Jones are clearly satirical and not meant to be taken seriously and are protected under the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. <laughs> Please don't sue us. Hey, you said that 121 episodes ago, Jeff. We haven't been sued once. <laughs> uh, well, when Wednesday do resume play, it will be at Everton in round four of the FA Cup. They like I would so I they just played Everton last year in the League Cup, and. I think, uh, as I recall, Calvert-Lewin scored two goals like in the first 15 minutes, and then it was a boring 75 minutes after that. I I don't know. It doesn't feel like a glamour tie. And I'm also at the point where I just don't give a damn about playing Premier League teams in these cup games. Like, look, the Arsenal game was great. It was fun. It was five years ago. 
almost six years ago, well, more than five years ago at this point, not almost six, but and just like yeah, they're probably gonna lose two nil again. It's not fun anymore because yeah. the fans can't go to see it. Right? Yeah, that's so the you... other thing too. You get like an actual away day, and it'd be cool, you know, seeing uh, Joey Pelopesi trying to mark James Rodriguez. That's entertaining <laughs> in its own way. <laughs> no, but you're right. That's it, Patty. It's it's the trip to Goodison, right? Mm-hmm. It's you, you don't get to go to places like that all the time as a fan, and and to have the opportunity to go watch the Wednesday play. I mean, imagine the place where they've the, been playing. They've been playing there for a hundred years. Imagine making like the know? nine and a half hour drive to Exeter on a Saturday afternoon or whatever it is, and like you know, I mean, like, that's fun. That's part of it. Well, as well as the the, the fans back home who can go to the games usually. Um, What's fun for us here is it tends to, these FA Cup games are a great opportunity for all the sport groups to get out, right? Because yeah. you tend to get a televised mm. game, uh, not so much anymore because ESPN plus everything. Um, but the Everton sport groups are bigger than us, so they'll arrange meetups for it. And it, that, it's that sense of occasion that you're playing uh, a team that has a bigger fan base. It has a, a much more kind of glamorous, so even if, if it's not the most glamorous Premier League side, they are a top five Premier League side. They're almost top two this, for most of the season. Um, and they have got a huge fan base in the US. So Champions League been, winning manager. <clears throat> yeah, there would have been a great. It would have been a great Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and sadly, due to COVID, we're all watching at home on our sofa in our pants, and it's just it, it sucks a little bit. Um, that's what takes yeah. some of the magic away. Um, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll, we'll lose to a, <laughs> two two nil three nil, and that'll be the end of that. I'm trying to figure out what kit they're going to wear. I think all of our kits clash like I don't think is the gray kit like far enough away to actually work yeah the green one is it because we because we have the we have the dark pants I I think that'll I guess that's probably that'll keep it I reckon I would have to change their kit because I think blue would probably clash both of our both of our kits but what's everything must have like a yellowy or white away kit I assume I mean it's at Goodison so I know but I, I, I think that our gray kit will clash with Definitely right, that's what good. I'm saying. I mean, we could pull the old uh, emergency yellow ones from six years ago out. They came to keep wearing as a third kit when this came up before. I, I will say this. Uh, I think I mentioned it on here, but uh, during a frustrating period of my life in the mid-2000s when uh, Wednesday was back in League One, and I literally just couldn't, like you couldn't get any information on them. I tried to ditch them for uh, Everton because of their Everton had the American influence. Everton had the uh, blue kits. Everton was the uh, blue team in a city with two, you know, historical teams. And I never fucking liked Liverpool. Um, and I was a huge James MacArthur fan um, with my love for Scotsman playing football. Um, so I tried. I, I actually set out for a season. I was like, I'm going to be an Everton fan. And that experiment lasted, I'm not shitting you, like three and a half minutes. And I was <laughs> like, oh, I actually don't care about this fucking game at all. And that's it. Um, that was- I got to go back to this nonsense. It's interesting that you got the link with Everton too. When I, when I was first uh, getting into, into football, when I was like eight to nine years old, um, one of the biggest players was Peter Beardsley. And I love Peter Beardsley. Um, and he was playing for Everton at that time too. And I was almost an Everton fan too, but I decided that I could probably go see more football if I went to a local <laughs> team. So Sheffield was slightly closer than 
Liverpool Everton times. I could have been Everton fan. Um, well, and Everton was so good in the eighties. Jeff, I think we need a drink break to really crack on with the um, first half review part of the podcast. Do you want to host this? I was about to go to a break, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break so Patty can refill his old fashioned. When we come back, we'll review the first half of the Wednesday season. Now it's time for our first half recap, which is the thing that we're doing because there's nothing else to talk about because there's no game preview. You know, I think we already previewed Coventry like three weeks ago. So we'll start instead with uh, our favorite match so far of the season. Patty, you, uh, you're going way back. <laughs> I had to go way back, Jeff. It's been a long first half of the season. Uh, and you know what? If there's one positive to come out of um, doing this review, I was very anti doing it in the first uh, when it was first. You were. <laughs> I was like, do I have to relive the first half of the season again? Uh, but it, looking at the results and just just on paper, um, it's not been as awful as um, it has been experiencing every ninety minutes of it. Because I I, <laughs> I felt I feel like from living through every game, it's been the worst season in living memory. But results wise. It's not been that awful. Uh, we've lost the odd game here and there, 1-0, 2-1. Uh, there's only really Rodham where we lost by more than two, two goals. Uh, but we're talking about positive things here. So you asked me to name my favourite match of the first half of the season. And for me, there's not a lot of competition, um, obviously. And I'm going with the first game of the season because we had optimism back then. I don't know if you remember this, um, that O word. I mean, you go uh, back and listen to that show after this game, and I'm sure we said some things we all regret. <laughs> oh, we were high. We were high on life. We were high on Sheffield Wednesday. We were high on life. We were effusive. Like with Gary praise. Monk has had a great transfer window. <laughs> oh, we were. Honestly, a great transfer. Window. It would be embarrassing. It would be embarrassing for us to go back to that first episode of this season. Uh, it was the 12th September uh, when the season kicks off. Uh, we were playing Cardiff away. It was a very tough fixture. Cardiff were regarded as playoff um, hopefuls. Uh, we didn't expect to win. Didn't expect to get anything out of it. But we had a bunch of new players, if you remember that far back. We had uh, Josh mm. Windass. We had um, Callum Patterson. We had Izzy Brown. Um, and it was uh, optimistic times. And what transpired that game was likely our best performance of the season. Mm. Um and we had goals from both of our strikers. Uh, <laughs> the aforementioned Josh Windass, who uh, started the proceedings very, very early in four minutes with a lovely finish from, I believe it was Izzy Brown, uh, Izzy Brown yep. pass, yeah. pass through goal. Um, and then to round off a fantastic first half, Mr. Jordan Rhodes uh, gets on the goal scoring sheet, uh, already uh, lighting up my prediction of 15 goals this season. <laughs> So I was only I was 14 to go. <laughs> only 14 to go. He's going to double done. his career total with Wednesday. Hey, uh, I was just going to put a, put a little primer in there for the, the next manager when he comes in. I will certainly get back that Paul Cook is going to be the one that ignites Jordan Rose. <laughs> um, yeah, but if you look at the way we set up for that game, so we had um, this was obviously before all the injuries hit. I, I feel like um, this was going to be uh, as close to a first 11 as we had. So we've got Windass and Rhodes from where Izzy Brown in that kind of false nine almost he was playing. 
uh, with Bannon and Longo pretty deep. Matt Penny, left wing back. Kadeem Harris, right wing back. Van Aken, Tom Lees, Dominic Mialfa, and three centre-halves, and Dawson at back. Everything just seemed to work. It, it, if Last was time a, all uh, those players have been healthy, too. <laughs> right. And that's, you've got to have some sympathy for Monk, right? Yeah. And we won't be a good football team until we can get our injury situation resolved. And that's, I'll have to say that over and over again. Uh, no matter how many times we criticize managers and owners, the, the biggest problem we have at Sheffield Wednesday is injuries for, for the last 10 mm. years. We'll so, also just point out uh, tangentially to this uh, Jordan Rose has now had eight different managers in his Wednesday tenure. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, poor Jordan. Um, anyway, that for me was the perfect game. It was Monk's... It was, at that time, it was Monk's... Um, That's how it works, right? Vision. It's like everyone... It's like the old baseball cliche that everyone's a World Series contender in March. Right. Yeah. And um, we weren't a World Series contender. No. We're not allowed <laughs> into the World Series because it's all the US only. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's... Uh... And Canada. And Canada. <laughs> And baseball, apparently, which we don't play. I mean, um, it wasn't Canada last year. It might not be Canada this year, but <laughs> yeah. For me, that was when you think about preseason optimism and you yeah, think yeah. about the tactics and the signings you had. That everything came together that one game, and it looked rosy for one weekend. And that's my favorite game. I I'll... go ahead. Well, I was going to say just because I have literally the opposite. My uh, my favorite game of the season was the Derby game, and that was our last game. Yeah, no, my favorite game of the season was the Derby game because we had all of our players injured, and we patched together a lineup full of crap, and we went out there, and thanks to the magic of Tom Lees, and uh, that was about it. We, uh, well, and no, to Kieran Westwood, we... Uh, staggered around and somehow we're not losing uh against darby until we got just an awful league one goal ball bouncing around the box big dumb person from the uk heads it in and I think he's called Cal Patterson. oh i love Cal Patterson. <laughs> i, I do also enjoy uh, Cal Patterson. Yeah, the aesthetics I, of I that are great right? so i was off my couch and and you know what? After that, the rest of the game really wasn't that difficult. We had to we had to wait out a little bit, but it's not as bad as it has been for us for the last you know two years or so. Uh, but it was just such a everybody was hurt. Our team mm. is awful. We were playing another shitty team and somehow getting killed. And somehow these guys, who for whatever their lack of talent or proper leadership. Or whatever it is that's been screwing this. Okay, team Tony Pulis. <laughs> uh, Tony's one of them. You know, maybe Monk was. Mm. Uh, Chancery. Everything. These players have been put in really difficult situations, and they came through. And they came through with a win. And you know, uh, they did deserve that. I don't care what the first thirty minutes of the game looked like or bullshit calls for penalties late like that. That was awesome because they we needed that win and they delivered with that win and they deserved I mean, that win. So. I, I will say that it's entirely possible we look back whenever this season ends, whether it's in 2021 or not. Um, that might be a big six-pointer. It is that, a six-pointer. That might be the, be the difference between yeah. Wednesday staying up or not. Oh, I hope we stay up. 
burst derby on goal difference. Oh, that would be so beautiful. Uh, Jeff, for you. Yeah, I am going with Middlesbrough, uh, Wednesday 2, Middlesbrough 1. Because this reminded me, like, ah, I can enjoy watching football. (laughs) I'd forgotten over the previous 10 games. Oh, wait, wait previous 10 years i don't know 10 games 10 years who's to say that uh watching wednesday could actually be enjoyable and like look they were a little shaky at the back they you know it you know, the passing they didn't always pull off what they were trying but it was an enjoyable 90 minutes and they beat neil warnock which come on you can't beat that has everything i want in a football game <laughs> It was un- unexpected, right? There were yeah, that's the other thing. Like I did, uh, I did the Middlesbrough radio show or whatever with Ellen, and like she asked me, like, <laughs> how do you like? What do you expect? I'm like, well, uh, they can probably like nick a goal off a weird set piece or something, or win a penalty and then concede late and draw one one. Like that was my that was my hope out of that game because like Middlesbrough were I, I don't know if they were actually in a playoffs point they uh, were. Playoff spot they were in a playoff spot at they the were. time yeah um and that's, you know, that's not an not an easy and it was funny because i when i recorded it tony pillis was still the manager but you'd expect sort of like the it was weird because like neil warnock plays that kind of style probably not as maybe as negative as pillis does but funny to watch them just keep knocking it long and knocking it long like oh it's actually isn't that hard to deal with when you're on the other side of it <laughs> Can you imagine why that didn't work out it's always nice to see him furious too. One, it was furious. Oh yeah, it's always, always, always like, like, fuming. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, let's Fuck go it, to <laughs> worst game of the year, Hattie. Uh, my worst game of the year was Wickham um, away. It, I think that's when it sunk in. We were properly in a relegation fight. We just lost to Luton. We lost to Rotherham. But it, at that point, they could be written off as anomalies almost. Keep getting uh, players sent off, so yeah, yeah. I mean, that also happened Thompson. against Wickham. So no, they're not. Sent, they're not well, sent they off Wickham. Wickham. It was Luton and Rotherham at the same time. Yeah, so we had we had sent off to almost excuse those ridiculous yeah. results, but it was Wickham which hadn't won all year at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked... they never won in the second division. They've been <laughs> football for like a hundred and twenty-five years, and they never won in the second division. Yeah, when they making as somebody's do, dreams come true. Yeah, as we always do, we are like um, I was going to Jim will fix it, but that's not a good uh, uh, likeness because he is a renowned pedophile and dead now. So let's, not, let's stay away from him. What um, is happening on this show? <laughs> We are the ones that make wishes come true. Um, that used to be a children's television program in the UK, but we won't talk about that anymore. Um, so, yes, worst game, Wickham. <laughs> As I see Justin and Jeff on the hand, <laughs> head in the hands. Uh, so it was just an awful game, right? We, we were hmm. not ever in it. Um, and they scored from a sloppy set piece where we were awful and all over the place. And it made me realize that we are properly in a relegation dogfight. And I wasn't ready for that despite the 12 point deduction was it, was uh, it, was the exact exact was it six at that point or was it six that. after it was six before that no it was 12 we're still 12 then i think Maybe. so yeah no i think we we talked about it on the podcast it was just that turning moment of like holy shit we are this bad i think it was after the three losses in a row that we got the six points we returned Good reason. otherwise Justin, they'll be suicidal <laughs> your worst game of the year 
Um, so, Jeff, I actually, will you go next? Because I think that you might have the worst game of the year. <laughs> so I, I love I love the concept of this. I picked uh, I picked a game where Wednesday got a result, and it was Wednesday nil Stoke nil. Because here here's my uh, the Luton, especially the Rotherham and the Wickham games were terrible. And we can pick out other ones too. Um, you know, the the Norwich game was horribly disappointing based on the way they played. The Forest game was just uh, anti-football capitulation where they never looked like equalizing for 80 minutes before the grabbing goal put it out of reach. But here's the thing. I could turn all those games off. I could turn the Rotherham game off. Oh, it's red card. I'm going to loot in the red card. They're not coming back from this. But they don't look like scoring. They don't look like scoring. The fucking Stoke game. I watched all 90 minutes of it. Because there's always a chance they put in a... Bannon puts in a fucking set piece off Joey Pelopesi's ass and they sneak a winner. Because Stoke's not scoring either. And I watched all of it. And it was horrible. It was uh, Pulis versus Pulis. Pretty yeah. much that game, wasn't it? And uh, that was, the, I, I forgot about this game. When you mentioned you, you were picking the Stoke 0 0 as the worst game, I forgot all about it because that was the Thanksgiving weekend mm-hmm. where I had my in laws kept poking yes. their head around the corner going, Is it still nil? <laughs> and like, this is not the game to sell your soccer, go away. Oh, it, it was, it looked like that. Uh, if anybody's seen the clip from The Simpsons where yeah, yeah. Uh, they're kind of mocking the soccer, where they're just, Pass it was that for 90 minutes. That was staggering. <laughs> that might that actually honestly, Jeff, and this is why when we were talking about our games, why I think you're right, and that was the worst game of the year. That might be the worst game of football I've ever <laughs> sat through. It might because be that was, if, if we lost nothing what, happened. If, if we lost, one team is presumably played better than we have, and therefore there's some football to watch. But in that game, there was no football to watch. That was <laughs> That's so bad. Uh, oh, it's so bad. No, Jeff, I, I actually, I think that you're right. I think that that was the worst game. Again, not of this year, but forever. I picked the Rotherham game just because. Yeah. But again, I, I, sh- mean, I shut the Rotherham game off after the second goal went in, I think. And I just. That I, was smart. I spent smart. time with my daughter. I might have moved along. <laughs> like, I did not. I like, but the Stoke game, you just kept thinking, like, it's just like. There's like a scrappy goal on this. Just like like shin someone when a corner, put it in the mixer, like own goal. Like this is so bad. Like something stupid is going to happen. And it's like the so I, uh, this is the problem with being a Wednesday fan. Is I keep <laughs> and there's a lot of problems with being a Wednesday fan. But I keep thinking back. Do you remember the uh, the Barnsley game from like six years ago? Where there's like literally probably the worst game of football I ever watched, but Chris McGuire hit the the winner in the last nine minutes. Winner in the last minute, yeah. Yeah. The little like little skimmer from like thirty five yards. Past Patty Kenny, I think, who's also been like active on Twitter. uh, He was in goal for six minutes. Yeah, anything going past him is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, a lot of goals have gone past him, (laughs) (laughs) but. But yeah, so you just keep like, like I didn't think that was going to happen, but something akin to the, the Patterson goal against Darby or whatever, you just keep like oh, this, this is this is winnable. I'm gonna keep watching this, and then you're just like thinking like oh, like this is an argument to just like pull 
every blade of grass up in Hillsborough and turn it into a monster truck course and never <laughs> have to watch this team again. No, Jeff, you know what? That's You're absolutely right because the game – kept you watching even though yeah. even though you knew it was done yeah. that's a great call both teams were in it. it i mean no no right. every, everyone's still in it but no team wanted to win it it's like we really Ugh. like i i will what the game needed uh was mike nelson tom servo and crotey robot because it's like you need like an mst3k running commentary oh. on this game <laughs> And it'll be perfect because it's like worse than Manos Hands of Fate, basically. We should do a live podcast commentating on Sheffield Wednesday versus Stoke. We should go back to watch the full the full thing. <laughs> we'll do it. I can, we'll mock up our, I can mock up our little silhouettes, like two bobble hats and Patty's hair. As we go. We, uh, next week, we're looking at basically uh, nothing to talk about because we've got a preview against Everton that might not or might not happen based on our COVID situation. But if we if we have no game to talk about, no manager, we're going we're going to review in depth. The Sheffield Wednesday versus Stoke game. Are we we just, might so do what a, we can do. Blow, blow so if you have an iPhone, are we going to do this? I don't know if we're promising this. We're not promising this, but hy- <laughs> hypothetically, we could. What is going on? <laughs> we can uh, give you a ninety-minute audio file that you can sync up <laughs> with the game and rewatch on iPhone because you can rewatch all the games on if you have the EFL iPhone. You can just watch the game. You can go back. <laughs> and, and maybe we'll do maybe we'll drop 96 minutes of commentary uh however long it was i don't know i'll find some techno music to put in halftime so it can be like the old school uh oh, we can do a fan cast i think yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. But we'll, we'll have to time the lining up, like when you're supposed to uh, watch The Wizard of Oz and Dark yeah, Side yeah, of the yeah. Moon. Yeah, yeah. Got to yeah. sync it up. Yeah, I'll do that. Oh, I wonder what happened if you played Dark Side of the Moon backwards while watching the Stogler Wednesdays game. <laughs> 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 you think like demons would come out of the picture either side? <laughs> Patty, who's the best non Wednesday player you've seen this season? <laughs> oh, we move you on. Okay. Mm. Um, uh, best player I've seen play against this season it was Ivan Tony uh, for Brentford. He scored a lot of Correct. goals. Correct. Yeah. Two goals against us. Uh, he just looks a class above. Mm. Strong, fast, clinical, in the form of his life. I think he scored 16 goals now in, in all um, competitions. Uh, by far the best so, player. I was thinking of other players too, but I think he was one that stuck out. I'm changing mine on the fly. I hope this does not screw up Justin. but uh... It won't. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh I'm going to go with Lucas Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, like... <sighs> Kid can play. Yeah, apparently he's really good. Playing at the... At the at the one of a 4-2-3-1. that the right number of players? Yeah, had a lot of beer. He would I mean, be that like, for us, though. Yeah. He, he needed that move. He was never... Yeah, it's fine. And, like, look, I, like, I think if you probably do the math, like, it was a, it being a fine piece of business for... We needed the money. Sheffield Wednesday, but... Yeah, I don't. They were like, yeah, they were killing him last year too. Is the thing like? But he lead, he leads the championship in goals created. Like, I mean, um, like he's, he's got if you combine goals and assists, he's the most like yeah, he's, he's leading always had the entire this, league. I think we always thought he had this level of talent. Like you know, Everton was into yeah. him the first year he was here. Like it's not. Dude, like, we had a song about him. Yeah, <laughs> or basically about him. You basically know, basically about him. Yeah. 
uh justin that's a good player that's a good call play. though no i i just i do want to give lucas a little love because he was a good kid and uh he had a couple of really cool moments was that brentford away where you had their yes. bristol city away where you had that late was brentford break, away breakaway goal brentford i remember away. Yeah, we were watching was, it with a couple of brentford awesome. fans in uh the football no, factory that, that awesome. just like got really quiet after that yeah no it was that was beautiful and you know what he always, again, he always seemed like a nice kid. He fit well in the locker room. Uh, we sold him cheaper than he was worth, but we needed the money. You know, it's business is business. I'm, I'm rooting for him. Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, we've missed uh, some of the best players in the championship this year. A uh, couple of players who I've happened to see or listen to other podcasts, talk up and look at some of the stats. Lewis Cook came in late as a sub against us for uh, Bournemouth, who we held in check. But, you know, Bournemouth's been kind of tearing the league up to some degree, and he's their catalyst. Uh, Coventry, when I was starting to think about their preview, uh, they they were missing, uh, totally blanking on his first name now, but Hammer uh, coming in from uh, Germany or Austria, and he's been outstanding for them. So we've happened to miss some of the – you know, dominant players this year, which you know doesn't necessarily show in our record. But the the one guy that randomly stood out for me was uh, Argus Tavernier for Middlesbrough. Uh, had a substitutes appearance, and I thought entirely changed the game. Um, I thought he was uh, very effective. He was, you know, much like you were saying about Ivan Tony. Certainly not that caliber, but you know, he was big. He was strong. He had good good technique. Like. Really good player. Um, I know we, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I've seen a lot of young players this year who look really good on other teams. <laughs> you know, so maybe harkening back to positivity, like we said at the beginning, we've got a few few guys on our back line who are young who may be able to come through. Do you know, Justin, how uh, old Lucas Joao is now? Joao is... 25 27 which is actually older than i thought oh, wow yeah me too yeah. obviously mm. <laughs> looking at it yeah right player yeah right player right patty player. can you say that in a yorkshire accent right player well the problem you have is you're, pro- you're pronouncing right correctly and it's uh it's pronounced rate <laughs> okay so it's spelled r-e-y-t yeah. yes that's it yeah, yeah, yeah. rate yeah. Right. So that's again. Give it, to it me sounds like it's accent, spelled. Please. Great player. Great player. Uh, ta. Uh, Sixteen goals and eighteen appearances this year for Lucas Schwell, By the way. Yeah. How many assists though? Five, four. They don't have that on his Wikipedia page. Where do you think I am? Uh, uh, who scored? Will? Um, how has he not gotten another? I guess it hasn't been international football. It's how he's not gotten another call up for Portugal. Is the answer to that question. <laughs> Well, Portugal's been playing very well. Yeah, sure. Uh, and they've got uh, some talent. So, best team we've seen this year, Patty. Uh, I've just stuck with Brentford because I thought they were the complete package that we saw. And again, we only lost two ones to them. So, I know they had a really good, I think, first half against us, Brentford, and we kind of came back into the second half. But still, they looked uh, the most, uh, the best attacking team I've seen against us for the entire ninety minutes. Um, I was thinking maybe Norwich too, but we I thought we were unlucky to lose that uh, game against Norwich. It's one of those games that one of Pulis's tactics has worked really well. Until they didn't. Um, and then until the last <laughs> 20 minutes. So it was, yeah, they did, yeah. 
but yeah, Brentford, I think, deserve um, to go up. They've faltered a little lately, I believe, in the league. But um, certainly when we played them, they were, they were, they were fantastic. Yeah, I, I picked Norwich just because you can say that Wednesday deserved to get something out of that game. I don't think it's wrong, but the reason they didn't get anything out of that game is because just of the sheer attacking quality that team was able to... We didn't talk about Buendia, who is my original choice for best player we've seen this year, just absolutely torturing Wednesday wingers and fullbacks for <laughs> the entire course of that game. I think he's going to win the player of the season, by the way, Buendia. Yeah, Buendia like, probably will, yeah. When I, when I, I've got, I'm in the, still in the kind of football factory group on WhatsApp, and everyone that's in that, I mean, there's QPR in that, there's Fulham in that, there's Villa in that, there's Leicester, and everyone knows about Bendia. Um, I, I think he's, uh, if, he's, if he survives the January transfer window, doesn't get poached, he, he's by far the best player in the championship this year, I think, so far. I think he's the best technical player. Like, his sort of just, yeah, his technique is his Premier League caliber. I, I'm, I'm actually with your original call. I, I think so far the player of the year is Ivan Tony. Um, but yeah, Buendia is he has a little like the he's got like the Anthony Knockart in him where he's just like on his day completely unmarkable, unplayable. Yeah, I just yeah. can't yank him. Yeah. Um, so for my team, uh, because you guys took the obvious correct ones. choices, yeah. <laughs> well, the correct choices, yeah. but um, I actually did just want to briefly mention uh, the job that Carlos Carbaron has done with Huddersfield. I was so impressed with their um, their ability to keep the ball, move it around, be aggressive. You know, I mean, he looked, I guess, given his, his coaching background of the last few years, it looked like what you would expect, but with championship talent. I And I kind of pegged Huddersfield for being a team that might go down this year. And I don't see that anywhere. I, I was very impressed with them. And brief shout out, unfortunately, to uh, Barnsley, who... Uh, once the Stuber train left the station, I figured they'd be <laughs> fucked. Um, and they've also looked like a pretty good team. Barnes is sitting in ninth right now, and it's not undeserved. They're, they're playing some really good football. So the table is these Yorkshire alive. clubs, uh, these Yorkshire clubs, doing better than us is not hmm. not what we're looking for here. <sighs> now we come to Sheffield Wednesday player of the first half, Patty. This was tough, um, and it was not a uh, kind of shining beacon of light that I found when I looked into <laughs> my, the deepest of my stats and deepest of my heart. Um, I'm going to go with Tom Lees um, through sheer consistency. Um, I believe, yeah, he's definitely had some bad games. Um, he's definitely had some good games. Uh, I don't think he's ever been like the worst player on the pitch. I don't think he's ever been the best player on the pitch, but I think he's been consistently. He has not been hurt. <laughs> yeah, well, he's been yeah consistently fit, which is uh, certainly something you can't say against most of our players. Um, so that's why I, I, I was looking, I was thinking about creative players and I don't think we've got many firing on all cylinders, especially with ones that are fit regularly enough to be classed as the first half of the season player. So yeah, I'm going with Tom. I, I genuinely think that the being the captain made him a, wor a worse player last season, and uh, I said it before, but I think this year he's playing with a little bit more freedom, less kind of weight on his shoulders, um, and he's been better. And I've, I've, look, I'm one of his worst critics on this podcast, 
So I feel like I need to give him some uh, some kudos, and uh, he's been probably our most consistent player this season. So speaking of who scored, for players that have played, I will say, more than half of Sheffield Wednesday's games this year, he is uh, the highest rated. Although it's very close with Bannon, it's one one hundredth of a point. <laughs> but I don't. And some like... of that's going to come out of how. But some of that's going to come out of how they score. Like Bannon's obviously going to get. Uh, passes completed and assists yep. and things like that that, that do the, contribute like they to don't, they and don't, Bannon has minutes they which, don't which uh, you know his goals obviously are coming off penalties they don't delineate that oh he took two very good penalties to score those goals so whatever he's, he's still got to knock them in um, but yeah it's a high pass percentage um, by their standard he has the same amount of men, men of the matches Men's of the match, men's of the match, <laughs> as uh, Tom Lee. <laughs> um, and I think you could make a case for Bannon. Certainly, he's been, it, he's been very sort of high variance. There have been games where he's been absolutely awful, but there have been games where he's been very Bannon and done very Bannon things. Uh, you know, he's certainly very capable of doing that. I I will note just over on who scored. Uh, if you don't. You know, if you lower the the games played standard, uh, their top player this year has actually been Julian Berner, which I don't think yeah. is necessarily wrong, but I don't think for the purposes of this guy, he's only played 10, it looks like it's uh, 10 starts and one substitute appearance. Um, uh, and then it's Lee. Which is almost half. Yeah, almost half, but not quite half. I'm just saying, when I... When I I didn't make it arbitrary. And again, we're talking about a difference between like uh, Julian Berner is a 6.96 rating and these are the 6.88 rating. So, well, and Berner also had uh, some time under Pulis, which meant that he was one of many, many people in the back in a system that doesn't like to give up goals and puts people in the way, which allowed him to get the stats that help with this whether it's clean sheets or uh interceptions uh, we're giving up possessions so his tackles are going to be high mm. i don't want to shit on burner but he was much better last year than he was this year yeah he's gone up and down i think this year right? i think we started the, se- the season thinking he'd, he'd kind of lost everything right he had like five games in a row where he wasn't very True. good and then five games in a row where he was very good so i think that's probably the the who scored thing is probably a little bit high on him but uh he's definitely gone down estimations, back up again estimations and uh, in the games he's played. But now he's injured, so who knows? <laughs> I am not the stat man. And I'm going with Adam Reach. I, I don't have a super great argument for this over Tom Lee's, but I do want to shout out Adam Reach just because I think he's been very good this year and put in situations where he can be effective, which is... Look, he is in some ways a limited player but if you play to his strengths he's a very very good championship player and yes he's knocked in some adam reach ish goals which he didn't do last year but you know is a sort of more free roaming midfielder that kind of plays on the wing instead of playing as a as a number 10 or a second striker like they've tried to do on occasion i think He's been a, a useful piece and has sort of been a little more direct than he's been in the past. And, you know, part of a 
sort of more functional midfield, whether it's, you know, it's a three or a five, depending on how they've been playing. Yeah, I'm, uh, again, it's a function of him being healthy too, to a certain extent, because if I was just picking a player that I thought was uh, the best on overall quality from what I've seen so far, it'd be Che Dunkley. But Che Dunkley has not played enough to sort of qualify as player of the first half. But that leads yeah, to that is a good call. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a good call. I, 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 the problem with Adam Reach is that he's potentially so much more than what he's giving us, and he, he's that's... showing the potential in that season where he scored like ten worldies. Well, but like, and... is that like sustainable though? Is my thing. Like no, he's got a very not. good left peg, but I appreciate half of the amount of world as he does that season. Right. If I get five worlds this season, that'd be great. Right, this is the this is the Ross Wallace problem, where you know what Ross Wallace is is capable of, but he also was even when he wasn't scoring goals, and like he wasn't he wasn't as pacey as Reach certainly. He was just a very tidy winger. Very tidy championship level winger. You you were gonna get sort of a very sort of even kill performance, and he he had very good skills and crossing and and whatnot. And Reach is very much like a high variance player. I still think that Reach is the best when he's on the left wing. I think I feel like that's when we get the best out of him is when he can put a cross in with his left foot, and when we move him elsewhere, that's when he's inconsistent. Um, so. For me, I like Reach. I think he's definitely improved on last season, which was really dire. Uh, and the fact that he's fit regularly is a plus right now. So, yeah, I don't think creatively we've got much else going forward at the moment. So, can't argue with it. Justin, you're a player of the first half. Yeah, uh, Tom Lee's. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, no, it, it is. And, and I'm actually, I'll disagree with Patty slightly in that. Um, I do agree it's his consistency, but Patty had said he hasn't really had any bad games, hasn't really had any good games. I think Tom Lee's had a couple of outstanding games um, where he's just – he looks like he did the first year that we had him, you know, the first two years that we had him. <clears throat> I thought he was as good as any center back not in the Premier League. I thought he was a Premier League quality center back. Um, and, you know, you guys raised the point that – not having the responsibility of the captainship seems to have really settled him down. Um, I think that going forward, if Tom Lees is the right side of a back three uh, with Shea Dunkley in the middle and, you know, either Borner or preferably Borner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe Palmer, whoever. Um, maybe even Van Aken, depending on the uh, matchup, right? Uh, horses for courses. But I think Tom Lee's on the right side of a back three is if that happens the rest of the year, we're, we're good. Patty, you've added other business. <laughs> well, I think if we've done them with the year review, which yes. I think we are, um, that was very, very well. Um, I just got a late breaking news from yeah. one of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, does anyone remember a team called Holston Keel? Yes. Do you know why you remember them? No. <laughs> I don't, so. Uh, we played them this preseason, um, and we beat them 3-2. 
uh, and they've just beaten Bayern Munich <laughs> in the cup, I think, um, on penalties. So we are officially better than Bayern Munich. It's, it's, it's official. That's what I put in there. Which means we should be the champions of Europe. Yeah. Sheffield Wednesday, the champions of Europe by Conker's Rules, as I recall. <laughs> Conker's Rules, great. Uh, yeah, I, I'm trying to figure out if it is actually the cup or not. I assume it is. I don't think they're... Yeah, it's whatever they call it, the DFB Pokeball or whatever it is. I don't know what the fuck it is. That's a different... But yeah, that's my only other business. I don't think we've got any meetups. For no games? Yeah, no meetups, no games. No meetups, no games. You've been listening to It is the DFB Cup, yeah. DFB Pokeball. Penalties. You've been listening to episode 122 of the Owls Americast. You can get in contact with us at and owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and buffers. Our fellow Wednesday it's Reverend of the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts, at least so we get a takedown request per Wayne Rooney's lawyers. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps fellow Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Justin's on Twitter, at New England Owls. Justin, what are your plans for your newly free time Saturday at 10 a.m.? So, did you know that Saturday is Tony Pulis' birthday? I did not. Yes, it's also my birthday. So, oh, oh, happy birthday. For yeah, thank you. Appreciate 39. it. I will be uh, sure, whatever, but I will be uh, <laughs> spending some time with my family during the day and then uh, playing hockey and drinking beers that evening. So, that is. Uh, How is that different yeah. from your normal Saturday? <laughs> uh, I watch Wednesday and cry <laughs> on a Saturday. So. What a birthday present, a Wednesday game. <laughs> I know. I actually was honestly. I, I was very excited when I when I saw that uh, uh, there, it, it all matched up. There was mm-hmm. a birthday uh, day game. Although my son has a hockey game at nine thirty a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, which our game started at ten a.m. So I was going to miss most of the game anyway. Uh, so it just doesn't really matter. That's good. Yes, see your son play instead. Patty. He scores Patty. more than Wednesday. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, do you have anything you would like to uh, say to Wayne Rooney's lawyers before we sign off? <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe you shouldn't represent a client that. <laughs> and. Oh, Wayne. <laughs> Hey, hey, did you guys know that he's the manager of Derby County? <laughs> uh, Sky Sports told me. <laughs> Jeff's quit. Poor Jeff. Poor <laughs> Jeff. I'm going to mute myself. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Astro, <laughs> And barring a cease and desist, we will see you back here next week. <laughs>